and welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour. I'm your host, Justine Ward, and each week we bring you a classic show from radio's golden age. The Hermit's Cave was one of several great supernatural series prepared for syndication. In this first episode, we have a story of two men caught in a storm who ask for shelter at a mysterious mansion. Who are the occupants of this strange house? Listen to The Hermit's Cave, The Vampire's Desire, first broadcast sometime in November of 1946. It's from WJR in World Syndication. The Mummers in the Little Theater of the Air. Now the hermit is ready to help you spend an entertaining half hour. place, Mr. Winton? It is at that. We can't go any farther in this downpour. We should most likely have to stay in this doorway, then. The house looks untenanted. Does it that? However, there may be someone in. There's no one living in this tomb of a place, Mr. Winton. I think you're right, John. I wonder where we are. I haven't had the slightest idea where we are since the beginning of the storm and we lost our way. Hmm. I think you're right about the place being untenanted. Try the door. Maybe we can break in. Anything to get out of this storm. Try the door. Uh, yes, sir. Oh, it's opening. Oh, good. Well? Good evening. We've lost our way. We've been caught in this storm. We're drenched to the skin. More fools you for being out on a night like this. Very agreeable, sir. May we come in and get dried out? You're not welcome. Well, surely you're not going to turn us away on a night like this. I don't care what kind of a night it is. You're not welcome. Well, all right, may we come in, whether we're welcome or not. No. Good night. She's slamming the door in your face. Yeah. Kindly soul. When the old woman tried to slam the door, I stuck my foot in the way, and she hasn't tried to close it anymore. Well, good. Let's take a chance on going in, then, whether we're welcome or not. All right, sir. Now, which way, Mr. Winton? Who can tell in this pitch darkness? <laughs> Listen. The old woman. Yeah. Mr. Winton, we're in the house of a mad woman. It isn't a very pleasant sound, is it? Doesn't seem to be a light in the whole place. What shall we do? We'll go to the right, feel along the wall for a light switch or a door. All right. Come along, then. Follow me. Ah, here's a door. Come along, John. Stay close by me. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, good Lord, sir. Is she going to keep that up all night? Well, if she is, I wish she'd tell what the joke is so we can laugh with her. Find the light switch. Uh, 
No. There doesn't seem to be one. All right, then. We'll continue in the dark. You go to the left. I'll go to the right. Maybe we can find something to sit on. Uh, yes, sir. Ah. Hmm? What's this? I found something. What is it? Well, it might be a bookcase built into the wall. All right. There may be at least something in it that we can sit on. Even books would be better than the cold floor. Yes, sir. Although I can't feel anything yet. Keep talking, John, so I can find my way over to you. Yes, sir. Why don't you strike a match? Fine chance either of us have of doing that. They'll be soaking wet. Where are you? Right here, sir. You're almost up to me. Ah. Now, where's the bookcase? Right here. Let me have your hand. Ah. Ah, yes. Now, let's feel all through it. Maybe something of use in it. You never can tell. What was that? Sounds like someone at the door. What are you doing? <laughs> Trying to light a match. Any luck? <clears throat> no, sir. Just like you said, they're sopping wet. Quiet now. Let's listen. Huh. I must have been imagining things. I've been imagining things ever since we first heard that old woman laugh like that. It fairly makes my hair stand on end. There it is again, sir. A rustling near the door. Who is that? Who's there? Stay away from that bookcase. Stay away. Who is it? Who are you? Stay away from that bookcase. We wouldn't be near the blessed bookcase if he'd be gracious enough to conduct us to a room with some furniture in it so that we might rest and get dry. Stay away from the bookcase. He's leaving, sir. Well, this is a fine how-do-you-do, isn't it? Oh, I've had about enough, sir. I'd sooner we were on our way. Oh, nonsense. However, we leave the bookcase alone, if that's what we're asked to do. <laughs> He's still here about? Yes, I heard him. Say, so you playing some game with us? If so, we're not in the mood for it. No answer. No. <laughs> oh, there she is again. Yes. That's enough. That's enough. What are you going to do, sir? This is some fool game they're playing with us. I'm going to find out about it and put a stop to it. There's a man and woman living in this house. There must be some furniture in at least one of the rooms. Some heat, sir. I'm chilled to the bone. Yes, yeah, some heat. There isn't, and there's something going on here that we should investigate and put a stop to. Come along, John. All right, sir, if you say so. Where to first? We'll start right where we are. Search the whole house. From this floor up to the roof. Mr. Winton, look. Where? Down to the end of this hall. There's the old man who was talking to us in the room downstairs, telling us to keep away from the bookcase. I think you're right. Carrying a shaded lantern. Yes, sir. John, we'll follow him. Yes. He'll lead us somewhere. We can't wander in this house all night in the dark. At any rate, he has a light. I don't think he's noticed us. We'll have to get close to him before he turns that corner down to the end of the hall. Yes, He's almost at the corner. There, he turned. Hurry. He might duck into some room close by and we'll lose him. Easy now. While I peek around the corner. You see him, sir? Yes. Going into the first room on the left. Quiet. The air is stale and musty here. Yes, but <coughs> never mind about that just now. That makes me gasp for breath. Here's the room he went into. Quiet now while I have a look. Is he in there, sir? 
strange. I'm sure he went in there. He might be hiding behind the door waiting to pounce on us. Oh, man like that couldn't do much pouncing. He might be armed. <coughs> oh, take that chance. The air is still and musty here, isn't it? I can hardly get my breath. Yes. The foul, fetid air coming from that room the old man went into. Well, if he can stand it, we can. All right, sir. <coughs> but be careful. Yeah. He's not in here. If he is, he's turned out the lantern. Hello. Hello. There's no one in here. Huh? The door just the door just slammed shut. Oh, there's no door here. I ran right into a blank wall. This is where the door was. Right here. Yes. John, we're trapped. Uh, Some devilman underfoot in this house. We're right in the middle of it. In a room with no way out. <coughs> and no air. No air. Now, don't start whimpering. We're in it and we'll have to see what we can do to get out. But what could they want of us? How should I know? What shall we do? Just sit and wait? No, we'll start looking for a way out of this room right now. If we only had a light. <coughs> Maybe we can find some other way out of this room. We can try. You go to your right, I'll go to the left. We follow the wall around till we meet. All right. And tap the wall as you go along. Listen for hollow spots. No. Oh. Now what? I stumbled over something on the floor, sir. Well, what is it? I don't know. I shall have to feel. Oh. What is it, John? A body, sir. Are you sure? Yes, sir. It's the body of a man. Where is it? No, don't touch it, sir. Don't touch it. Why not? I did. And a part of it crumbled to bits. Good heaven. Yes, sir. It crumbled under my touch. Where, where is it? Right at my feet. I'm afraid to move another step. We'll see what this is. Yes. You're right. I just touched it and part of the clothing crumbled away. Yeah. And John, I, I felt bone. Oh, sir. That's what's going to happen to us if we don't get out of this place. I just know it is. Yeah, oh, that fellow must have been dead for years. The clothing just crumbled away in my fingers. Yes. John, we must get out of this place as quickly as possible. We're in great danger, I'm sure of it. In danger of our lives. We've got to find a way out of this room before we suffocate. Why don't we try to find the place where the door was, sir? Yes. Back to the door, John. We haven't time to look for any other exit. We'll have to find out how to open the door we came in. It's over this way, sir. Right along this wall. Who's there? There's the hideous cackle of the old woman again. Never mind about that cackle. We've only a few minutes to find a way out of here. When that door closed, it hermetically sealed this room. We don't get out, we'll suffocate. What shall I do, sir? Feel along the floor while I search along the walls here. Feel for any loose boards or any part of the floor that might move. Yes, sir. Have you found anything yet? No, sir. Keep working. For heaven's sake, keep working. I can't do any more, sir. I'm through. Keep searching, John. Keep searching. There must be a secret spring somewhere in here that'll open this door. Did you find anything yet, John? John, answer me. John. He's done for. Don't let go, man. Keep on. Hang on. We're not done for yet.
man John, trapped in a house of mystery, suffocating in a hermetically sealed room. Where is the old man with the lantern? King? The hermit will tell you before the night is done. <laughs> John are trapped in a hermetically sealed room in a house of mystery. Yes, John has lapsed into unconsciousness. But just as Winton is about to drop off, something happens. Listen. <laughs> John. John, we've made it. I've found the hidden spring just in time. did we do it, sir? Just before I went under, I... I happened on that hidden spring that works the door. What about the old man with the lantern? And the cackling old woman? And the crumbling body of the man? We're going to see about those things immediately. I'm going to get to the bottom of this thing. And Come get, on. And get suffocated all over again? I don't think we will. Besides, I know where the release for the door is now. Come along. Be careful. Take an extra long step when you enter the room. I think we tripped some kind of mechanism when we first entered. Yes, sir. Old man with a lantern went into this room and disappeared. But where can he have got to? If he stayed in the room, he must have suffocated. He didn't stay in the room. I'm positive of that. Keep your ears open. And listen for any hollow sounds. one, sir. Yes, I heard it. Listen. Don't you hear someone talking? No, sir. Put your ear to the wall and listen. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. I can't. You hear it now? Yes, sir. Two people talking. Yes. I knew that old man couldn't have vanished into thin air. There's another door hidden here somewhere. We're going to find it. Feel for anything movable around the wainscoting. I'll work up the sides here. Can you hear what they're saying? No, they're too far away to catch any of the words. However, from his tone, I'd say he was threatening her. Ah. You found it, sir? Yes, this little bud on the decoration here. Look, sir, a flight of stairs. Yes, and leading down. Come on. Oh, haven't we had enough for one night, sir, without sticking our noses in any further? We've gone this far and had an attempt made on our lives. We're going to clear up this business before we leave. No telling what might be down there, sir. That's what I'm going to find out. Well, you coming with me or shall I go alone? Oh, no, sir, I'm coming. Uh, you can hear them talking a little more clearly now. Close enough to make out their conversation. Now, there are two more up there with Gregory. Yes. 
<laughs> man we saw with a lantern. He's talking about us, John. Yes, sir. He thinks we're dead upstairs with that body we found. If you do not continue to obey me, that's what will happen to you. Oh, no. No. <laughs> cringe. Cringe. That's what I want you to do. Come on, John. We'll see what we can do about this. When I'm gone, you think all the money will be yours. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. There's a turn in the passage just ahead. I can see a light shining. Quietly now. We'll be able to see into the room in a moment or so. Tomorrow, you'll bring me another young animal to feed upon. Yes, Brother Garnet. It's her brother that's talking. Yes. Easy now while I look around the corner. What in heaven's name? What do you see, sir? Come here. Great heavens. A coffin. Yes, a coffin. With a huge lighted candle. And at each corner. And look in the coffin. A man. The one we heard talking. When you get back to your cottage each morning, you wonder where you've been the night before. Don't you? Huh? <laughs> there you are, John. But his lips don't move. No, but that's where the voice is coming from. You don't know that I have you under my power? <laughs> what shall we do, sir? We'll dash in there and let matters take their course. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Come on, then. Lydia, the candles, quick! Out with them! Stop! Stop. John, quickly, that cover over there. Slam it on the coffin. The lady. Look at her. Look at the change that's coming over. Clear? The coffin. Tell me, who's in it? Who's in the coffin? You mean to say that you don't know? Oh, no, I swear I don't. Well, you called him brother just a few moments ago. Uh, brother? Your own brother Garnet is in that coffin. No. No, how can that be? We, we buried my brother Garnet over eight years ago. Oh, I see. Yes. You are... I'm Lydia Crampton. Miss Crampton... I would advise you to start at the beginning so that we might unravel this maze. Oh, I, I'll try. But, oh, but not here, please. Yes, here. If my deductions are correct, it would be better for everyone concerned to get the truth right here and now. All right. There's very little I can tell you that I know definitely. Brother Garnet died about eight years ago. I, oh, I hate to say it, but he was horrible. He was a devil. As soon as father died and he came into the money, he started making my life miserable. Why? I never could find out why. Then Garnet died and was buried. 
And with him was buried the secret of Father's will. I know that the estate was supposed to pass on to me after Garnet's death, but I can't find any sign of the will. Well, what have you done? I have a small income from my mother. I've been living in a little cottage not far from here. And now comes the part that's like a terrible dream. But I'm beginning to see it now. I'm positive that I'm right when I say that Garnet somehow was able to exercise his will upon me after death. What makes you say that? What I've been thinking were horrible nightmares. I now see were actual occurrences. He made me come here every night to wait upon him. He told me that Gregory, his butler, had placed him here in this coffin and had buried a dummy in his place. Then he killed Gregory. The body in the room upstairs? Yes. When he had me under his spell... I used to pass through that room and laugh at the remains of Gregory. Call him lazy for always sleeping on the floor. To think that I would do a thing like that. Go ahead, Miss Crampton. He made me bring him a young animal every day or two. What was that for? He fed upon them. Ah, I thought so. He feeds upon the blood of animals. Yes. He sucked the blood from them. And when he had fed, he had the strength to get out of his coffin for a while. This is horrible. Stop her. Oh, quiet, John. Then that's how we saw him in the hall upstairs. Go ahead, Miss Crampton. That is about all. He used to taunt me by the hour, telling me I'd never come into my inheritance. I see. When we slammed the lid on the coffin, we broke his spell over you. Yes, you must have done. Tell me, Miss Crampton, where in this room are we in connection with the rest of the house? I don't know. It must be on the ground floor, I suppose. That's what I was thinking. I have an idea. What is it, sir? Ah, hear that? Another hollow spot. Exactly. Now, what's this point right here? Yes, sir. We'll press it and... Ah. It's opening! What? Why, it's the bookcase in the front room. Look at this in the back of the bookcase. A small secret compartment. Keep away from the bookcase. The dead body is talking. Talking even with the coffin lid on. All right, John. We're ready to put a stop to his talking. Here, Miss Crampton. A package from the compartment in the back of the bookcase. I think you'll find this your father's will. Father's will? Yes. Now, John, take those candles out of the candlesticks. Hand the candles to Miss Crampton. Now, hand me one candlestick and use the other as a hammer. But what are we going to do, sir? We're going to put an end to Gardner Crampton. But how, sir? What are we going to do with the candlestick? I'll show you. I'll use the ornamental pointed end of this candlestick as a spear. You use your candlestick as a hammer. We'll drive this one through the heart of that monster in the coffin. No, no. But that would be murder. It will not. He only lives during the night. Go on, strike. <coughs> we'll release his soul so that he'll never trouble anyone on earth again. Faster, John. I'm working as fast as I can, sir. When Miss Crampton told me he was feeding on young animals... Sucking the blood? Yes. I knew then that we had a vampire to deal with. What are you doing? For heaven's sakes, what are you doing? We're ridding the face of the earth of a vampire. <laughs> it's done. We've driven the point of this candlestick through the coffin and through the heart of Garnet Crampton who's long been dead, but whose soul has been held in bondage by the result of his evil practices in life. Woo! 
candlestick used as a spear, Winton and his man John put an end to the vampire's desire. Yes. Released his soul so it could never again return to the earth. Turn on your lights. Turn them on. <laughs> I'll be back. Pleasant dream. <laughs> Characters, places, and occurrences mentioned in the Hermit's Cave are fictitious, and similarity to persons, places, or occurrences is purely accidental. You're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour broadcast each week over the World Wide Web with your host, Justine Ward. Next, we have The Hermit's Cave, broadcast in the Mystery Theater series by AFRS, the Armed Forces Radio Service, with an introduction by the master of the macabre, Peter Lorre. This is the story of a man who tinkers with projects in the basement and manages to create something he never expected. After this show, we have a short bonus track from Arch Obler's LP, Drop Dead, since the syndicated shows are a bit shorter with the commercials added locally. This is Mystery Theater, The Hermit's Cave, Mr. Randall's Discovery, first broadcast April 30th, 1944, on AFRS. The Mystery Playhouse, a rebroadcast for the servicemen and women of the United Nations. Good evening. This is Peter Lorre. <laughs> if you like mystery and suspense, if your tastes run to the macabre or the supernatural, if sweetness and flight bores you, then, my friends, you've come to the right place. I promise you, there is nothing sweet and very little light here in a mystery playhouse. High on some lonely promontory, there lives a strange old fellow, lonely as the hermit, his home a cave hollowed from a rocky hillside. His only companions, a pack of evil-looking, evil-smelling dogs. It has been said that no tale of mystery or horror of this world or the next has escaped the hermit's knowing gaze. He knows more than the hermit does, and he's going to tell you his latest as we take you to the hermit's cave. Turn out your lights. Turn them out. 
devil wasn't a scientist uh, uh, not in the usual sense he was just an ordinary man uh, vice president of a small town bank he experimented in his basement just as a hobby and quite by accident he stumbled upon a secret so amazing so terrifying that uh, well uh, listen <laughs> Bill, a boy 18 years of age can surely think of something to do besides eat the punnies all day long. Where's your father? He was ready. Oh, he's down the basement. Good heavens. Didn't you tell him to come up? Yeah, half an hour ago. He said... Sure, he'll be right up. Well, you tell him if he doesn't come up, he won't get any dinner. Yeah, serve him right. That man. The only time he can be here when his family's all here, he hides downstairs in that awful old basement. Hey, Pop! Dinner! Bill, the neighbors! Pop! Last one of the tables, Gargantua's uncle. Oh, where's man? Edgar! Dinner is ready. Coming. Coming. And the dinner getting all cold. Honestly, sometimes I feel like going down there and throwing all that paraphernalia of your father's into the trash can. Yeah, it'd take more than one trash can to hold all that junk. Well, what does he do down there? Will anyone tell me? Oh, he just potters around with chemistry and electricity. What does he accomplish? Smokes up the house with those horrid-smelling chemicals, burns out fuses. Yeah, but maybe he'll invent something someday that'll make us all rich. For three weeks now, I've been trying to get him to fix that towel rack in the bathroom. Uh-huh. You don't expect a great scientist like Dad to bother with a towel rack, do you? Bill, get your hands out of the olives. Wait till your father gets here. <sighs> Suppose I'll have to attend to it myself, like everything else around here. You're referring to the broken screen in the bedroom window, Catherine. I was planning to get at it right after dinner. I was referring, Edgar, to the towel rack in the bathroom. Oh, what about it? Every morning for two weeks, I've mentioned a towel rack at breakfast, and every time you said I'll fix it tonight. I said I'll fix it, and I'll fix it. My, everything looks good. Pass your plate, Kathy. Edgar, you haven't washed your hands. Hmm? Are they clean? You've been fooling around down in that old, dirty basement with heaven knows what. I'm not going to eat out of any dirty plates you've touched with those hands. Honestly, Edgar, you're worse than William was when he was... No, I've just been adjusting some electrical equipment. I haven't been working with hydrochloric acid or typhoid germs. I... All right, I'll wash them in the kitchen. Getting this family down to the dinner table on Sunday is harder than doing a week's wash. And don't dry your hands on my tea towel. What's that, Kathy? I said don't use my clean tea towel. Oh, I... How I would like to have just one Sunday dinner where I didn't have to go around and corral you. Father's the worst of all. Where is it? What'd you do with it? What? Where's that pan of water? Pan of water I left on the windowsill. What? Three days ago, I put a pan of water in the kitchen window. Now it's gone. Well, I threw it out. Threw it out? I was saving it for an experiment. But it was just a pan of water, so I poured it down the sink. Catherine, I told you to save that. It was full of organisms I was saving for an experiment. It was perfectly empty, except for the water. Microscopic organisms. Amoeba, spirogyron things. Can't see them without a microscope. Now I'll have to get some more stagnant water. Never mind your stagnant water. Sit down and eat. That makes me sore. Man can't have anything around here. Well, no use crying over a spilled spirogyron, I was talking to your mother. I'm sorry. Now, let's not have any arguments, especially over anything so silly. Silly. That's all the credit a man gets for trying to advance science. All right, Edgar, dear. Let's postpone advancing science until after dinner. Man works all week, comes home, tries to relax with a nice, quiet hobby down in the basement where he won't bother anybody. His family throws his specimens. Edgar, I don't see why you don't take up a hobby that'll at least get you out in the open air. You're cooped up in that old bank all week. And then down you go into the basement, breathing heaven knows what kind of poison gas. Kathy, are you going to start that again? 
I'm not going to work with poison gas. I'm not going to blow up the house. Now, let's eat our dinner.
July 8th. My specimen continues to grow. It now is a shapeless mass the size of a cantaloupe, and I've had to put it in a much larger container. Those definitely are eyes on the side of it. They follow me as I move around the basement. I've taken to locking the door. The thing might alarm Kathy if she should come down here. Very good dinner to my found. How would you know, Edgar? You barely touched it. Oh, I'm sorry. I've had a lot on my mind. The uh, bank examiner has been there the last three days. Yes, I know. But that hasn't been worrying me. If I didn't know what the real trouble was, I suspect you of being afraid they'd discover you juggled a book. Now that we can talk just between ourselves, Edgar, why don't you let your experiment go for a while? Now, Kathy. Please, Edgar. How are you supposed to be your letter? You're Nothing of the kind. I feel fine. You know that's not so. You're pale and thin. Why, I'll bet you've lost 15 pounds the last two weeks. You never were exactly overweight, you know. Kathy, I wish you'd stop fussing at me. I I'm wish... not fussing at you. I just think you ought to stay out of the basement. Why? Why? Because I don't think it's good for you to be down there so much. Can't a man have at least one place where he can be away from everyone? A place where he can think? Esther, I never said a word as long as I didn't think it wasn't interfering with your health. You're spending hours down there. Why, most of the time, you don't get to bed before three and four o'clock. Now, don't look at me like that, Edgar. It's for your own sake. Stop sweat, talking Edgar. to me as though I were a child. Just see how nervous and unstrung you are, Edgar. What is it you're working on? What are you doing down there, Edgar? Nothing, nothing. I'm building infernal machines. Now, will you let me alone? Just let me alone. That's all I ask. Let me alone. <laughs> Sometimes, Bill, I shouldn't say this, but... But what, Mom? 
Sometimes I think your father's mind is affected. Him? Oh, no, no. Well, he's just got interested in something. Everybody that has a hobby does it sooner or later. Well, I bet in two weeks he'll give the whole thing up and never touch any of that equipment again. He's heading for a nervous breakdown. Bill, I've never come across anything like this before. He's been hard working yet. But he's always had time for me and for you children. He's never been cross or cranky before. I'm worried about his job. Vice president, ain't he? Yes, but even vice presidents get fired. And it's not going to work. Well, I'm going to see if I can find out what's the matter. You run along to school. Okay, Mom. i got to get my book. Revolting hulk of yours with a stick. 
You feel that?
I didn't do it. I you don't deny that you were found in your son's room lying beside your wife's body? It was this thing. You crawl out of the basement, I just... This thing you refer to, you haven't been able to describe it. Was it an animal, a snake, or what? I don't know. I told you. It was in the basement as it got out. It was in there for weeks. Had anyone seen it but you, Mr. Randall? Oh, nobody. <laughs> Mr. Randall, how do you expect these intelligent men and women on the jury to believe in the existence of such a creature as you describe? A mass of flesh. No arms, no legs, no head. Just two green eyes set in a pulpy, palpitating, shapeless body. That's what it was. And you would have us believe that this... This jellyfish had the power to smother your son, an active, athletic high school boy, and then wrap its shapeless mass around the head of your wife, an able-bodied woman, and smother her also. I ask you this, Mr. Rapp. Where is this monster? I don't know. I don't know. I waste my time and the time of this jury in this court. The defendant leaves you no choice, ladies and gentlemen. You must believe him. You must believe his story. This fantastic yarn about this test tube Frankenstein. Or you must condemn him. Condemn him to the death as a conscienceless killer who smothered the breath of life from his son and from the woman who was his loyal and devoted wife. Which, I ask you, are you going to do? Next, our bonus track, the story of another project that grew out of control. From Arch Obler's LP, Drop Dead, this is Chicken Heart. No short hairs rising? Then permit me to try you with the science fiction type. With all these Sputniks and satellites circling our Earth, and with all this competitive fission and fusion going on, science fiction horror is the very latest. And we are trying to bring you the very latest. Do you remember some time ago, in an Eastern scientific institution, they kept a piece of 
heart alive for weeks on end? Well, I got to thinking, what if that heart began to grow? And grow, and grow, and grow? Hello? Hello, operator. Give me Mr. Regan, fast. Hello, Mr. Regan, this is Lewis. Listen, get me a rewrite, man. The thing's still growing. No, Chief, I tell you the truth. The corridor's choked with living, crawling flesh. No, 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 I'm not drunk. I'm telling you the truth. That little piece of flesh has grown until now. It's jamming that building. All inside the space of an hour. You've got to believe me. It's the greatest news story of the generation, and here you argue with me. I tell you it's the truth. You've got to believe me. You must me. believe me. I tell you the only hope is to burn the building to the ground at once. Now, wait a minute, Doc. Wait a minute. Take it easy. I tell you, burn it to the ground. Burn. And I tell you, take it easy. I sent in a call. Oh, don't you understand? For some reason, I cannot even imagine. This tissue is doubling in size every hour. Do you know what that means? In another hour, it will be twice the size it is now. And long before that, it will break open the building with the force of its pressure. And then it will be free in the street. Do you hear me? Free in the street. And then those... Those tentacles of protoplasm stretching out to feed on anything they can reach. What's happening? The building! See the walls! Cracking! I warned you! I warned you! I tried to warn them. But now it is too late. The heart is free. Please, gentlemen, please, quiet, quiet, please, please, please now. As mayor, no one realizes more than I do the necessity of immediate action in curbing this unspeakable, unbelievable emergency. Can I assure you I'll that I... cut the speeches, Mac. That bastard thing is spreading like a forest fire. Call the governor. Get the National Guard out. Please, wait, 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 please, wait. Here is Dr. Alberts of the Research Institute. Let him speak. Step up here, doctor. Got to do something. Let's see what he says. Gentlemen, it was in my institute this horror began. And if you give me a chance, perhaps I can stop it. What is it, Doctor? Tell us first what that monster really is. Yes. Yes, I will tell you. That great, ever-growing mass of flesh, it is, or it was, a chicken heart. Chicken heart? Are you crazy, man? Yes, yes, chicken heart, I tell you. Chicken heart. Listen to me, you fools. Listen, listen. I tell you, that mass of flesh was a chicken heart, the tissue of which, for some reason, is undergoing constant, rapid, accelerating growth. With every passing hour, its growth is doubling. Do you know what that means? If it is now one block in size, within 30 hours that cannibal flesh will have increased in size to one square block to the 30th power. In 30 hours, every inch of this whole city will be crushed under that moving flesh. Within 60 hours, it will have covered the entire state. Within two weeks, the entire United States. You ask for the National Guard. I say, call out the entire army. Blast this thing off the earth. Chief, couples 
ready? All the hoses coupled up. We'll flood that thing with water from all angles. All right, here's the signal. Open them up! Full blast! Chief, look out! That flash! It's reaching out! Get back, everybody! Everybody, back! The fools, what good is water? I told them. The only hope is artillery. Bombs. All National Guardsmen report to your armories. All National Guardsmen report to your armories. General mobilization order. Battery in position, sir. Commence firing on the hour. Yes, sir. Ten. Five. Five. Zero. Commence firing! Useless. It has grown too large, and it grows too quickly. The flesh is already engulfing the guns. They came too late. You all right now, Dr. Alberts? Yes. Yes, I'm all right, Mr. Lewis. I'm all right. Well, I sure am glad I located you. I stalled as long as I could, another ten minutes, and we couldn't have taken off. That blasted protoplasm, or whatever it is, was sucking at the wheels by the time we left the ground. Yes, as I saw. 5,000 feet. Well, we'll cruise around up here for a few minutes and then head west. It will do no good. You can't mean it. It, it must stop growing sometime. It must. Look at it down there. The gray blankets of evil covering everything. See how the roads are black with men and women and their children running for their lives. See how the protoplasmic gray reaches out and engulfs them. See Stop how... it! Stop talking like that. We'll get away. The government, they'll send bombing planes, poison gas. No, halt. Listen to me, Lewis. You remember only a handful of days ago, you asked me my prophecy of the end of the earth? You remember my answer? Oh, such a scholarly prophecy. Cessation of earth rotation. Mighty-sounding astronomical theories. But now, this is reality, Lewis. The end has come for humanity. Not in the red of atomic fusion. Not in the glory of interstellar combustion. Not in the peace of white, cold silence. But with that, that creeping, grasping flesh below us. It is a joke, eh, hey, Lewis? A great joke. The joke of the cosmos. The end of mankind. Why? Because of a chicken's heart. No! No, we won't die. I can't die. I'll find a safe landing somewhere. I'll find a place. The motor, it's cut out. We're in a spin. I can't get out of it. I told you, doomed. No, no. All mankind, doomed. No. We're falling right into it, into the heart. You have been listening to the Old Time Radio Hour, broadcast each week over the World Wide Web. You can subscribe at no charge through Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or RSS. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us again next week for another hour of entertainment from the golden age of radio. Until then, this is your host, Justine Ward, saying so long for now. (laughs) 